Hi, this is the UX Growth Podcast, the podcast that helps people learn and grow in the UX design industry. I'm your host, McMahon. I'm here with another guest of season one with Claire Shembri, a digital product designer at the Lego Group. Thank you for being here, Claire. Thank you for having me, Nick. Yeah, so let's begin by telling us a bit about your background. How'd you get to the place you are today? Oh, that's a, that's a long story. Um, I think I got into UX the same way a lot of people get into UX, which is totally by accident after mm -hmm. a very unorthodox education and career path. So um, I'm a humanities person. I'm really into arts and culture and mm -hmm. philosophy and languages and literature. That's what I studied. I'm also a professionally trained concert pianist. And then I figured out I needed to do something a bit more practical as well. So uh, I was working in tourism industry, eventually moved into B2B marketing, found out what UX is all about and had this like major epiphany about how this is what I'm meant to be doing. And then, yeah, took some chances and some risks to get a foot in the door. And uh, now I'm very grateful to be at the Lego group. Yeah, that's so fascinating. And I always love to hear the stories about how people got into the product design industry, just because it's not really the most straightforward career. Everyone kind of falls into it in one way or another, or, they, you know, like they hear about it and they try it out and like, whoa, or are you even doing it without even knowing it? Yeah, that's actually how I got into uh, the UX industry, too, because I, I worked as a web designer for an agency. And a lot of the the testing and the user data, like it kind of falls into place of it. And I didn't know about it until I actually looked into app design and realized like, oh, that's everything people are already been doing. And they'd have like a special term for this. Like, wow, and procedures. I thought that was like really fascinating about the whole process and all. So what you because of how big product design is, what would you say has been the most important part of it that's been used for your background? Oh, yeah, that's a great question as well. I would say that what I'm doing right now is not so much the um, the front end part in the sense that all the UX and usability testing, but it comes way before. So I'm working very closely with product managers to figure out strategy, direction, prioritization, concepts. Oh, wow. That's very early phase work. Wow, that's so cool. Um... What do you say is some of the challenges that you face when you're uh, doing going through that process? I think when you work in as big a company as I do, the biggest challenge is stakeholder management. So figuring out who your stakeholders are, what's mm. their relationship or what's their stake right in in the project or initiatives and uh, and managing that in a good way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I also noticed that a lot of the success comes from the questions you ask, too. Yeah, questions you ask involving the right people at the right time, making sure that their input is on the table when decisions are being made. That's some really important things to consider. Yeah, I know. I always look at it as like, it's, it's kind of like how we start in a maze and through the questions, you are able to see like, what is the dead ends? And now we're going through the process of making sure you ask the right questions so you don't hit the dead end. So once you get to the end of the maze, you're actually solving the user problem. 
I think that's like one of the the best analogies I've heard about how we we need to think about asking our question ourselves when we're asking questions to do a better job. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I work in enterprise. That means we're developing software for internal use by our colleagues within the manufacturing and supply chain. And I don't have mm -hmm. a background in manufacturing and supply chain, right? So I don't have that domain knowledge. And that domain knowledge comes over time by talking to a lot of people, asking a lot of questions just to understand what are we trying to do here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that reminds me that because of how big these industries are and it feels like if for a lot of people who are getting into product design it feels scary because they don't know about that information and so they feel like can i do this am i good enough and i'm wondering uh what would you say to those people who feel like they're so intimidated about learning new a new these new situations that they just have no previous experience in I would say just jump into it because nobody is expecting you to be a subject matter expert as a UX designer working in enterprise, right? But you just have to also acknowledge and be open about the fact that you don't know anything and not be afraid to ask all the stupid questions because it might turn out to be some very intelligent questions at the end of the day. Yeah, I know. I know. I feel you because it's it's funny how uh, a lot of the beginners actually can identify problems a lot of senior people probably haven't thought of because they're, they could be very tunnel vision in the process about how things should work. I think that's always very fascinating because uh, not everything is always, you know, everything is changing. There is no real right way always to go about certain things, especially because the UX design industry is just constantly evolving. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes not having that domain knowledge means you don't get bogged down in all the technical details, but you can keep it high level and you can see opportunities for improvement on a process level and not so much just like, oh, I need to input this data into that field, mm -hmm. right? Because that's, that's not what we're there for. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, also, Clara, what are some of your favorite tools and resources that you use to help you do your job? Oh, I have quite a lot of tools. Um, so I'm a big Miro, Miro, not sure how that's pronounced, fan, like the collaboration tool, the whiteboard. That's really great for just dumping a lot of information there and then trying to sort it out into meaningful themes. Um, my product team also uses Jira, and as a structured person, I like having a backlog management tool mm -hmm. like Jira. UI, we use Figma. I think that's super great. And I guess more proper research documentation, we are using Confluence, if you're familiar with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but actually, uh, one of my previous episodes was uh, as a guest on she was uh, the time uh, she worked on the team for Trello, who is under the same company that owns Confluence. Oh yeah, Atlassian. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know she's. I know. I know she's such a great person. It was like I learned a lot of process of it all. That that was really incredible. Yeah, yeah I know. I, some cool workflows in in Jira. Yeah, I know. I know it's like it feels like a new open world for me because I've always been in the Adobe products and like to see like oh whiteboarding mind mapping journey, you know like how we process more information visual ways this is always so really cool to be able to showcase that because it's also now are we helping ourselves be able to learn about this information but it's also really good for presentation so other people can know what we're doing 
as well. Absolutely. I think that's super important. Sharing often and sharing early is is so important in UX. So having something like Jira and having your UX work in Jira is, is a good way to be able to join in, in Scrum rituals and present what you're doing. Make sure that your work is just a, an equal type of work compared to the actual software development. Yeah, I know. I think like one of the biggest issues that a lot of designers have is trying to be able to connect with the other teams and being able to work as a one, as a solid unit. So that when our work gets passed off, there is no hitches. Everyone is easy to understand. Yeah, and if you're presenting your work when you got started with that, then when you do the handover, it's not like, oh, what is this? They've they've seen it before. They've maybe come with their input to it. So there's no mm -hmm. ugly surprises. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, surprises are <laughs> always something. I know I've, I've worked in agencies for a lot of years. So like surprises are just part of the game. It, it oh, yeah, even like, that's, I know. That's just how it is. Absolutely. So like, I know I'm not, I know some people may be appalled to that, but I'm so used to it. like, it doesn't even, it doesn't even phase me anymore. No, it's just part of the game, right? I mean, it's mm -hmm. happened before where we do a design and it gets reviewed and it's like, oh yeah, this is totally possible. And then they start building it and they're like, oh wait, no, never mind. It's not possible mm -hmm. anyway. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I know. So, so for the, the, the designers who want to get into enterprise IT, what would you say is some advice for them so that they can be able to transition into that part of their career as easy as possible? Well, I would say if you want to work in enterprise, your most important skills are your communication skills, mm -hmm. your strategic thinking, problem solving. And um, saying that, I also realize it's very difficult to document and show your capabilities in those areas if you're doing portfolios or interviews. But um, I would definitely say those are the must-have skills in order to succeed mm -hmm. in enterprise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can see the challenging is just because there's like, there's like a lot of soft skills, you know, problems. Pro everyone likes to think of them as a problem solver until they actually go through and you're like, oof, I know, do I have the creativity for this? Do I, you know? <laughs> Yeah, and it's always about breaking down the problem into smaller problems that are easier mm -hmm. to tackle, but that kind of stuff is very difficult to visualize. It's also very difficult to talk about in details because of NDAs and all these things. Mm -hmm. yeah, so, um, yeah, I guess it's a mindset thing more than anything else, and that's what you have to communicate in, in interviews and recruitment processes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Just all of the sh sh showcasing as much of your the process as much as possible through it all. I know it's, I know it can be, it can just be challenging at all because also like for a lot of myself, like how we problem solve, like, like, uh, neuro, like neurologically, it's like we, it's just hard to talk about because it's just so passive, you know? Like, how do you, like, yeah. how do you find a solution when it just comes to you naturally? Yeah, it's not a recipe you follow, right? Sometimes, well, I experience at least that I'm I'm thinking about something and like nothing comes to me and then just randomly in the weekend, I just get this major epiphany. I'm like, oh, I need to write that down so I can go do something on Monday. Mm -hmm. It doesn't just come like that when you want it to. And that's also very hard to explain to people, right? 
Yeah, no, that's uh, is a problem where a lot of people like, like I want you to be creative now. I want I want ideas now, and you're like, that doesn't necessarily work like that. No, that is just not how it works. <laughs> I know, I know. Like, there's, I, I remember times where I couldn't think of a solution to to this design issue, and I went to the bathroom, and then I came back like, okay, I got ten new ideas. And, <laughs> It just happens, right? It's like it, your brain is processing it in the background, and then all of a sudden, it's like, "Oh, I'm ready. Let's move on." Mm -hmm. Yeah. Have there ever been times that you have struggled to come up with a creative uh, solution when you needed it as soon as possible? I guess so. Yeah, um, but I'm also very open about stuff, so I'm talking uh... to colleagues all the time, and I've got a great team of people around me that I can bounce random wow. half ideas on and then something good normally comes out of it well i know that i know that's why i love about working on teams because there's always something that can help you and you can even fall back to especially when there's even stuff that you may not even be knowledgeable about but there's someone on the team who does and vice versa it's i know i really i know i really do believe like teams like really just make or break it like the best of ourselves and how we work yeah, and you just need a broad um, audience. So if you're dealing with some UI issues that you're like, oh, I don't know how to do this in a good way, just talk to one of the front-end developers, right? And they might have a good idea. Whether if it's more, I'm not sure how to make a research plan for this thing I'm trying to learn about, talk to another designer or talk to your product manager and just always be super open about where you are and what you need from that person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, what do you say has been the biggest inspirations that helped you become a better product designer? The biggest inspiration? Um, this is going to sound a bit strange, to be honest, but I think my inspiration doesn't come from the outside. It's more like I'm really motivated to just be the best. I don't know, that sounds kind of cheesy, right? But it's just this inner drive that I tap into to just keep going when stuff gets hard. You know, I, I think that's a really good one to have because at the end of the day, it's always you, yourself, and I about how you how you handle these problems, how you what you are doing for the best of yourself. So I think that is a level of self-belief that you always should have. And you'd be able yeah, to it's be all able about to improving it to yourself more than proving it to everybody else. That's true. That's true. That's actually one of the biggest reasons why I started uh having a podcast. Actually, it was um no, uh, no. Um, for my first podcast, the biggest issue I had was I was a terrible public speaker. I was absolutely horrible, and I would have to have a a script, and I would have to live by it, like to the absolute point. And anything that went off the script, I didn't know what to do. I would be freaking out. I I would be so nervous, anxiety through the roof. And through the process of self belief and practice, and just going through it, I realized that I can do this. I don't need a script. I'm able to talk and I can actually talk to people and now have any kind of fear of any kind of judgment or feeling like it's okay to not be in total control of everything. And it turns out that like anyone can actually become public speaking. It's all about just like, where do you find it through your passion about what is it that you need to say? So I really do love that answer because I feel, I feel I live by it. So I definitely, uh, Appreciate that and love to hear it. So thank you so much for that answer too, Claire.
thank you. I think you're doing great as a podcast speaker. Yeah. So good job <laughs> on that. And I can really empathize with that story because I was terrified of public speaking and presentations and you have to do it all the time as a designer. So I'm just like, okay, well, this yeah. is what I have to get better at. And I just put myself out there and try and have mini panic attacks, but uh, try and keep it together <laughs> on the outside. And then eventually it's not that scary anymore. I know presentations can always be super scary because there's like, it can feel like there's a lot on the line with it, as opposed to like all the public speaking I had in school, where hey, if you fail, as long as you, as long as you're still showing up, you're still going to get a passing grade, even though if you're not a good public speaker, but you know, that's not so, so the case all the time with being a presentation on what direction and like what creative problem solving you need to go through and the whole team needs to agree upon it. So yeah, because it's all about the message, right? So if you don't look confident, don't sound confident, or don't formulate yourself the way you intended, then maybe your ideas don't get taken seriously, or just yeah. the message doesn't come through, right? And then maybe mm -hmm. a different decision is made based on, based on that. So it's super important to be able to communicate clearly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. Pre I know presentations is always one of those things like, like it always felt it always felt like there was people who were able just to get it, you know, naturally. And there's people who just didn't. And they were just like, you know, how there's a difference where you either you either good at it or you just didn't do it at all. And realize like that's not the case. It's a skill like anything else. And people can learn. People can learn through it. Absolutely. Mm hmm Yeah. So also Clara, uh, what is the biggest lesson you have learned in your career so far? get a mentor if i had to mm. summarize it it's it's so important starting out especially in enterprise where there's so many things you need to know and systems that you need to navigate and a bit of a political game that you need to play you really need someone who has been there is more senior preferably in the same company who can just advise you on on how to tackle different situations and that was invaluable for me when I was starting out because, you know, you go to um, to a boot camp or learn UX in an academic context and you're in this perfect little bubble where, you know, everything is super linear and you do research and then you use the research findings to make decisions and then you make the UI and you test it and then it gets built and there's no context to that. There's no um, stakeholders who might have a different opinion or stakeholders who say, oh, we don't have time for research. So just like design something now. Mm -hmm. And um, having that mentorship who can help you navigate through those kind of situations, which you can't even envision when you're still in school. It's, um, it's super important. Yeah, I can attest to this a lot. Uh, my mentor actually was the one to suggest I start this podcast. And I can definitely say, like, like at the moment, I was like, mm, sounds like a lot of work. But then realizing after I get through the actual initial hurdle, it's been such a blessing for my career. And I think there's also a lot of things like there's some, like we may begrudgingly saying some things about what our mentor says, but at the end of the day, I feel like we should always just put a lot of trust in them. That, yeah. Because it's, I know they, they they'll never steal you wrong. Yeah. That's what I always say about it. Yeah. Uh, may I ask how you found your mentor? I think I just walked up 
to the guy and said, "Hey, I need some help." Yeah, <laughs> like who just are like you? That. <laughs> just like that. Yeah, yeah. No, it was very random, but um, it was a good relationship. And then um, now we're in a different organizational context, so all the designers are sitting together in one team, and we do a lot of like period reviews and um just bouncing ideas off each other. So there's no need for formal mentorship anymore. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, so we help each other a lot in that way. It's really great. Yeah, no, I can't, I can't stress enough about how much uh, mentors really do help us uh, be able to become by our better selves and be able to see problems that we don't even see in ourselves. A lot of, the, yeah, a lot of things. Exactly. So, yeah, it's especially... Like yeah, no, especially even just how you just reach out to one, you know, it's like, like, you know, a lot of people always like to think it's very scary because they are, there's that self-rejection of like, who will want to, you know, talk with me, you know, like, am I really that, that good enough for them? And how many times like we kind of self-reject ourselves just because of that negative thinking we told ourselves? Yeah, it's, it's a horrible trait that the majority of people have. And we should just tell that inner voice to shut up and just go do it. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, like that is actually a very, very good response to that. Because once, once we have that, then that's all we believe because there's nothing else telling us. And that's when we need to learn to be able to say that, tell that to shut up and be able to do so anyway. Because even yeah, like because what's the worst that can happen, right? It's like someone says, "Oh no, sorry, I don't have time." Awesome. Yep, just just about to say that because I definitely agree with that so much. Yeah. Wow. I know. With all the also, uh, Claire, with all the things you have accomplished so far, what do you say has been your most proudest accomplishment? I think. My proudest accomplishment is, um, oh, this without getting too detailed on the actual implementation, is that we've set up some kind of beta testing community for um, the software that we're developing. So now we have all the feedback loops in place and we're oh, wow. able to test software in a safe environment before it gets rolled out globally. And that's mm. a very neat thing. And um, I'm really proud to have been a part of that, part of also training beta testers in basic UX concepts, like what kind of things to look out for in terms of usability. And when they're giving feedback, don't just shoot ideas like, oh, I want to have this because it would be cool, but rather link it to an actual problem you have or a need you have and how that would be solved. If that makes mm -hmm. sense. Yeah, I know. Also, I guess especially like, uh, like how long you've probably been working on that as well. I think that's also a big the reason why it's also such a big accomplishment because uh, people don't really look at the the time it takes for the process and the 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 amount of iterations and feedback that goes through it. Because a lot of us like we just see the final outcome, and we can yeah. you know we. And then that's all like we can judge on because that's all we know. And then once you, if you were to look at all the research and testing through all the process of all, we was like, whoa, there's a lot of effort that put into it. So I definitely it believe, is. believe why that's such a big accomplishment. 
It is, and we have a very complex setup in the sense that our users are um, shop floor workers in several sites globally. So different time zones, different languages. It's a very complex environment to navigate in and having these beta testers to be able to come back or have direct access to beta testers, obviously, because they're internal users and be able to get direct feedback rather going through several layers before it hits mm -hmm. me. That's that's a bit of a privilege, I think, as a designer yeah. to have direct mm -hmm. access like that. So it's it's really great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so I know that's absolutely amazing. Yeah. So as we're drawing close to this episode, what's the best way to be able to reach out to you if there are any opportunities? You can find me on LinkedIn, Claire Cambry. And yeah, um, I have an Instagram, but not for work purposes. So I'm just <laughs> not going to mention that. So yeah, connect with me on LinkedIn. Yeah. And you can find her uh, Claire's LinkedIn link and found in the show notes. So you can easily check her out and be able to present any opportunities you may have on your way. So, uh, so as um, any closing words you would like our audience to know about? If you're trying to get into UX, just keep trying. It's hard work, but um, if you feel like that's what you're meant to be doing, then it's going to be worth it on the other side. Yeah, absolutely. If you're, you, you know, there's like a lot of passion. There's a lot of, um, there's also a lot of failures, but the problem about the, a lot of people kind of like to give up on the failures. But the thing about it though, is that the failures are part of the process, you know? <laughs> When it comes to, yeah. I know, like when it comes to like getting, again, the first UX design job, when it comes to getting the first project finished, uh, it comes to like your first presentation, there's like, there's a lot of things that can go wrong and they probably do because a lot of people don't know any better because you know, how we teach ourselves, how we go through boot camps, how we go through school. There's only so much that we can learn from the process at all. And then a lot of it we're learning as we go through it. So. I definitely love that that it's it's a process and it's a challenge and we eventually become better out of it because as long as you're not making the same mistake twice you're definitely growing as a person absolutely and once you're building stuff if you're not failing you're probably not asking the right questions or you're not measuring the right things because mm -hmm. you're always failing to some degree that's just how it is it can always yeah. be better mm -hmm. yeah everything every can be and I know it's like we're all perfectly imperfect and like why it's always fun to strive for it even though we will never achieve it exactly so just embrace it and have that as your motivation to keep moving forward yes thank you so much Claire for being here thank you this was a lot of fun yes please do support our guests until then you just listen to the UX Grow podcast I'm your host Nick Mann thank you for listening <laughs>